Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back, everybody! Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the Twenty Four Seven Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by our publisher Ronnie Sanders today in another edition of Coach's Corner with former Auburn defensive coordinator Ellis Johnson. And Ellis, last time we spoke was after the. Before they were getting ready for Vanderbilt. Since then, Auburn has completely now turned around what was a four-game losing streak into a three-game winning streak. And uh, I guess just what did you see out of their performance at Arkansas? Because by all accounts, it seemed like their best game of the year on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I was somewhat surprised how how uh, dominant it was simply because it looked like Arkansas had kind of turned a little bit over the last two or three weeks and we're playing a little bit better football, and their their back were, was against the wall. I mean, I I don't know if they even get in a bowl now, uh, but uh, and they've been playing good on defense, and Auburn had been uh, just managing the game on offense, and all of a sudden they put up forty eight points. So I was a little bit surprised at how lopsided it was. Not that Auburn won. We've talked about it now for four weeks, or five weeks, how they have become a better football team each week, and I think it's. You know, they've been playing on the backs of a really good defense the whole year. Uh, you look at the kicking game, it's been solid. And then they have done a – I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but Hugh might tell you it's the best coaching job he's done. 
but they've taken some quarterbacks that were huge liabilities, and now all of a sudden they're getting some good, solid performances out of Peyton Thorne. And that, the game he played the other day against what had been a, a, a decent defense over at Arkansas, uh, he played a really good football game. Uh, this, you know, you, it will be a week where they can get some people healthy, but they don't need to sleepwalk and, you know, give anything away or lose momentum. But uh, they come into the Alabama game, and I'm sure they'll be heavy underdogs, but they match up pretty well to Alabama, to strengths and weaknesses. How big of a – I mean, the game's in Auburn. How big of a home field advantage is it? You know, I, I think it all depends on how the game starts. And if, and also is close at the end where the noise factor starts to become a problem. You know, my only thing about playing on the road, sometimes for coaches, it's actually a better environment because you don't have recruiting going on and other things that have to be taken care of. And you can just focus on the game. Uh, but boy, once you get on the field in the stadiums, you play in the SEC and Auburn, certainly one of them, the noise factor can really be hard on an offense to overcome. And so when the ball game starts, crowd's going to be crazy. And if you don't get them out of it pretty soon, it just gets worse. And if the ball game's close at the end, the crowd's going to be crazy. So those are factors. And and uh, the quarterback at Alabama, they've s- sort of done the same thing Auburn's done. They figured out what he could do and what he couldn't do and let him know about the third ball game, let him know real quick that he wasn't going to play unless he did what they think he can do and stop doing what he can't do. And uh, he's played really well lately, but he's, you know, he's a very inexperienced quarterback, been in some tough environments already this year, but they've played their hardest opponents at home. And so it'll be a pretty tough atmosphere for the, for Milrow, even though he's, you know, obviously he's playing a lot better right now. It's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, the rest of the conference. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but what do you think about the coaching changes so far? I mean, you got Zach Arnett, you got Jimbo, Jimbo getting a buyout, $76 million. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the state of college football right now? You know, I think the, the pay for the coaches sort of is sort of a, a mirror of what's going on with the uh, NIL. And there's just so much money in it that the coaches and the players deserve their part. Uh, you know, the coaching thing is driven by markets. You know, they thought we were going to lose him to LSU, had a guesstimation of what they might give him. They gave him a better contract and kept him. Didn't work out. Uh, but they had reasonable, I guess, reasonable uh, thinking in trying to do that. But it is getting almost, to me, it's getting a little bit damaging to these programs because I know $76 million to a Texas Aggie is not a lot of money, but it is a lot of money. And when you check their overall budget, what they're having to do for NIL now, what they're doing for facilities and all of that, uh, not just Texas A&M, but a lot of these big schools, they're going to reach a breaking point at some point in time. And I, you know, I certainly don't understand the industry you make, but there's starting to be some problems now in these companies that are walking out the big bucks to televise sports. And of course, one reason they're doing it is because the other things they're producing is trash and nobody wants to watch it. So, you know, they're, they're broadcasting sports and trying to hang their hat on that. But to do that, they got to pay big bucks to get them. So it, it's a crazy world. You would know a lot more about it than I would. 
but I don't like the direction of it. I don't think it's going to hurt the biggest 30 or 40 schools in the country. It's probably going to make them even better. But it is not good for the game of college football overall. What do you make of A&M? People talk about what a great job it is and, you know, all this money and great facilities. And they haven't won anything since 1998. I I still think it is a great job, but it it is amazing if you look at the history of that program. I think they said the other day the last time they won a national championship was in the 30s. And they only Uh, had one, I think. Yeah, that one, I think they said 1936. I didn't know the exact date, but you just nailed it. Uh, and that conference championship, I don't know if that was the Big 12 or the, or the old Southwest Conference. or I, I don't know. I know Jackie won a, S, a Southwest Conference when he was there, and I think RC did. Uh, but they don't have a really strong tradition in the win-loss column. I mean, but it's always been a you know, big-time program, and the resources are there. And what we just talked about with NIL and coaching salaries, resources are more important now than they were 30 years ago. Uh, so, I, you know, it's it's got to be a really attractive job for a lot of people. But it is still a hard job. And, uh, you know, SEC jobs attract the best of the best in the, in the coaching ranks. But there are only about four or five schools that are, you know, getting out of the conference alive and, and getting into the playoffs. So are they really that good of jobs or not? I mean, I think it's hard for a guy who's making $2 million a year somewhere to turn down a job that's going to pay him $10-plus million a year. And, uh, you know, you, you, you pay somebody that kind of money and you put those facilities out there and you're located in Texas, the rationale is you can win and win big. And, and I still, you know, I, the only thing Jimbo did that, that puzzled me from the very beginning, it didn't take a lot of his staff that had been with him at Florida State, and some of those guys have been working with him as an assistant coach in previous years, and I thought they had a good chemistry and took well, very few of them to Texas A&M, and it's been musical chairs. Uh, Elko was a really good co- uh, coordinator for him for a while, but, you know, you're going to lose good coaches. And, of course, they lost him to a head coaching job, and they were still good on defense this year, but they just, you know, they've just never been able to get past that seven, eight win uh, stagnant situation. And I thought what Bork said was, you know, he basically explained it as clearly as anybody could. And when you try to explain why in the hell you're going to pay somebody $76 million not to work for you, that's kind of hard to explain. But he did a hell of a job, in my opinion, of saying what the problem was. We all know Jimbo's a really good football coach, but it was stuck for some reason. It just would not go any further. Well, I think the thing that you bring up about some of the coaches at Florida State, I mean, I know for a fact it's been six years. He walked out of the staff meeting and told some of those guys, I'm going to AM, I'll call you in a few days. And some of those guys haven't heard from him in six years. And some of those guys he's known 25, 30 years. And I think that's a problem. I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's your if that's your reputation around college football, then I think that hurts you. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? You know, when you got that much money to pay coaches, you'll get good coaches. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of good coaches, and there are a hell of a lot more good coaches out there than there are good jobs. So you can find really good coaches. There, there's something missing in the glue, you know, the glue everybody talks about. It just didn't seem to be this chemistry that did seem to be there at Florida State. 
And and I don't know, it just I, it just always seemed like they were kind of always pulling against each other and trying to find the right combination and the right answers and so forth and, and inside and not necessarily squabbling or in anger, but it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of clarity about exactly what the vision is and how we're going to get there, et cetera. You know, one year it'd be the greatest recruiting class. Another year it was going to be the greatest offensive coordinator. The next year it was going to be the greatest defensive coordinator. You know, the next year it'd be something else was going to be the, you know, the answer. So, you know, I don't know. It just seems like it was a, a very unusual situation. And again, I think he's one of the best football coaches I've had to compete against and uh, almost went to work for him. But, but it, for some reason it wasn't clicking there. How do you rank the jobs in the conference? I mean, out of those top, I mean, if A&M is a top job and you throw it in with the other six and then you bring in Texas and Oklahoma, what are your top three or four jobs in the conference and why? That's hard. That's a tough question. I think, you know, it, and that can change. It can, you know, it can waver and move and different jobs can be better at different times. I, one thing I believe, this is a little bit off on a tangent, but I really believe you have to have somebody on your staff, either the head man or the offensive coordinator or the guru quarterback coach. You've got to have somebody on your staff that gives you a shot at the top five quarterbacks in the country every year. Now, that sounds like a crazy thing for a guy who ran defenses for 40 years. But this game today, it, it's almost the NFL. If you ain't got a quarterback – you got to have 21 other players that are just dominant and better, like Georgia did when they won it. Uh, Bennett was a winner, but he wasn't no great quarterback. Uh, but they had so much dominance in their other positions, they were able to play around him. And, and you can do it, but it's very unusual. You got to have one of those guys to have a legitimate shot, I think. But that being said, I. If I had to rank them, I mean, you you kind of have to start with Alabama, and it's because they're willing to commit the resources, but they've also got the tradition. And so you go in the living room and tell kids, you know, we, we want to try to play for the national championship every year. And, they, and they'll laugh at you some places because they hadn't been to it in 20 years. But, I mean, you, you come up a place like that, and you can say that, and that's normal. If a kid's a competitor, he wants to go where he's got a shot, you know, be a winner, be a champion. Uh, you know, Georgia right now has to be put up there. And I, you know, having grown up nearby, I've kind of watched Georgia all these years and I never understood why they weren't a dominant program long ago. And I think for the first time, somebody has been able to go in there. Kirby has been able to go in there and force them to get into a win-at-all-cost uh, culture. And believe it or not, that was that was never at Georgia. They've got an academic side to their university. They they had a little bit of an elitist attitude over on that side of campus, and they never did turn athletics loose completely. And the recruiting base is phenomenal. You know, I just think the high school coaching and the number of athletes in the state of Georgia is kind of like the state of Louisiana. You know, it's it's not the most populous state in the, in the union, but football is important. And so percentage of population, they put out as many NFL players as anybody. For a long time, you couldn't get them admitted. Uh, they turned a the kid down one year when I was at Mississippi State with Jacksonville, Jamar Chaney, 
to this day, we don't understand how he didn't get in, but he got left hanging right at the last minute. We took him at Mississippi State, and he started for me for three years. He's a hell of a player. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he could not get in Georgia. And what couldn't have been NCAA situation, it had to be some institutional requirement. Uh, and somehow Kirby's kind of, you know, gotten all changed, and they, they feel like it's an important thing. I, you know, I don't know who else you'd go. LSU's obviously proven that they can be national champions. Won three, what is it, three in the last 15 years? Well, and you had three coaches do it. I mean, you had Nick do it. Three different coaches, yeah. You had less. But, uh, you know, it, it's not – it's a great recruiting base. I saw something the other day, and they spent, they were almost near the bottom in money spent recruiting. And I'm thinking, surely they've got a commitment – well, they don't have to go anywhere. That's right. They, they recruit the state of Louisiana. They go over still two out of Mississippi, mm-hmm. and they go over to East Texas and get them two more. And they don't have to do a lot of running all over the country to find kids. But I guess that's it. But, uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, if, if you'd ask that question 12, 15 years ago, you'd, Florida would be the first one you'd mention. Right now, it's not a great job. But it Trying to rank the best jobs in the SEC is absolutely impossible. Well, I think that the, the point you made earlier, it's fluid and it changes. And I get that question a lot. What's the, what are the best jobs in the conference? Well, you know, it depends. I mean, right. I think you're right. Right now it's Alabama. You know, 15 years ago it was Florida. You know, 25 years ago it was, you know, Tennessee was right up there. And, um, you know, back in the 80s, somebody, I mean, when Auburn was winning three straight conference championships, it was up there too. Um, LSU, I mean, there's, you know, LSU couldn't get it right in the eighties, um, or the nineties for a while, but it's right now. <laughs> and of course y'all aren't as old as I am, but I watch it over my lifetime and we're just about, in my opinion, because of this NIL and, and, and some of the other things that are getting into it, we're going to get back to where it was in the sixties and early seventies, where there were these teams that were winning 30 games in a row every year. There was a dip, one or two or three of those teams doing it, like Nebraska and Oklahoma, and and the, and the rivalry they had for several years. Nobody else could even touch them, and and they, you know, just crazy how dominant they were, and they controlled TV, and now TV, you know, you, get, you used to have when I was a kid, you had one or two games on TV each weekend, and and the uh, NCAA control who went on, and then of course had the lawsuit. And got it where the conferences cut their own contracts and the NCAA lost control of it. Uh, and so everything started changing. And, and, you know, schools like Clemson back in the day, they had to always come down to the state house where all the Gamecock grads were in charge and beg for money every time they wanted to build a facility. And they'd always get, get their money after Carolina got their money. Well, now they got TV money, just like everybody else has got TV money. And they don't have to ask them for anything. So it's the way things have changed over the uh, course of my lifetime is un- unbelievable. And, you know, Health Nebraska was one of the most dominant programs in America at one time. Southern Cal, Penn State, some of those teams. Now, I, you know, there are some other guys who lived in those parts of the country would say those are some of the best jobs, but I don't think they are. Well, I, you know, I think uh, speaking of quality of jobs – you know, you worked at Mississippi State. You got an opening there with Zach Arnett. And I read the other day, they've been to 14 consecutive bowl games, which I didn't realize. Um, 
that's pretty impressive for a place like Mississippi State. I mean, you got there and it was, if I remember right, it was pretty bad. And um, tell us about that. I mean, what are your, what are your, uh, yeah, well, well, Jackie had done a fantastic job there. It was starting to slide a little bit. And, and so, of course, they made the change. When we came in, there was a lot of turmoil. But if you look at his entire tenure, he did an excellent job there. Uh, I mean, one of the toughest ball games we had when I was with Coach Dubos at Alabama is, is uh, we upset Mississippi State at home in our stadium. We were underdogs uh, in '99, but uh, he he really had a good a good football program over there. Now we had a tough time early on, and we finally kind of got it over the hump. And then I, I left and. Uh, they lost some players, some very unfortunate situation. They lost some players and had a bad season two years later, and, and they made a change. But you, you have to give Dan Mullen credit. Uh, I think any time a coach comes in and gets that consistency and turns it like that, but there's usually somebody behind the scenes too, whoever brought him in, whoever's in charge of the purse strings, and they make a commitment that if we're going to play in this league, we have to, we have to commit more resources. We have to get our facilities straightened out. We have to do this. We have to do that. So, you know, but they find a really good coach who who is going to be able to benefit from it. And, of course, it's a two-way street. But, uh, you know, they've got really nice facilities now, my understanding. And I've seen the stadium. It's very much improved. Uh, when we were there, I mean, it was really you were fighting with one hand tied behind your back. And I thought uh, Sly did an unbelievable job under the circumstances. They're, they're still – programs in that conference that dwarf Mississippi State and South Carolina and, and Vanderbilt and some of them from a financial commitment. The money is just not – they can't compete with the likes of Alabama and LSU, Florida, and now Texas and Oklahoma. And, and some of them aren't necessarily more wealthy states or universities, but they've got more money in their athletic departments. And due to the fact that they've been in big-time sports longer and so forth proves it. Uh, but it's uh, it, it again, you know, Mississippi State is a really, really good job. But when you look at the neighborhood they got to survive in, it's a tough job. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
What do you make of that decision to to cut ties with Arnett so early? I mean, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago. It was it's a bizarre, unfortunate situation all around. Um, but I guess were you surprised that they didn't let him have a full season, or was it just sort of an inevitability thing? Hey, we're going to do it at some point. Why not go ahead and do it now? Well, when you use that word surprise, nothing surprises me in college football anymore, and especially in these hirings and firings. But your question is a great question. I mean, how the hell do you give a job to a guy in those circumstances and judge him on 11, 10 or 11 months? If that, hell, I don't Leach, when did he, he passed away, wasn't it almost spring? I but, uh, I mean, I think it was a nearly impossible task. And I don't like the commitment aspect of it. I think, you know, they jerked it out from under him. I do think, however, the first decision he made when he didn't bring somebody in who could, you know, complement the offensive personnel they had, start with the quarterback. And then, of course, the other personnel had been recruited into a pretty unique style of offense. Now, everybody throws the ball, and everybody sometimes runs scat routes and don't keep backs in. I mean, it's, it's not like he invented the wheel, but it was a pretty wholesale commitment, as y'all know, to an offense that the running game is dumping the ball off to the backs on a, on a three-yard route. And and when you have to recruit to that. you got to recruit linemen at pass block and, you know, 80 plays a game. you got to recruit receivers that can run all sorts of routes and you know, not necessarily just big, tall, fast, wide receivers that can run nine routes. You got to have everybody on on the team that can legally catch a ball has got to be a good receiver. The backs have to be good receivers, have to be good pass protectors. So you get into that system, and all of a sudden you try to put some power run in it, and you cut out all the five receivers out and take away some of the options. And to me, the kid had just gotten really effective in it and was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. And, and that's the one move that he made that I really think he probably put the nail in his own coffin from the get-go. Of course, he's a really good defensive coach, and so they played pretty good defense on the other side of the ball. And he'd already gotten the defense, you know, playing at a good high level when he was coordinator. But in that league, it's just not enough. I mean, you got to – you know, Stoops does a good job with that kind of philosophy at Kentucky. But, you know, they always end up losing three or four games. And that, that may be a good standard for Kentucky, but you're not ever going to get to the championship game if you can't score uh, and can't throw the ball, for goodness sake. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it, but I just – when you hire a guy in those situations that surrounded it, then you had the AD leave. And I can't even remember, to be honest with you, I can't remember if John left after or before Mike passed. Uh, when he went to Auburn, but I think it was right afterwards, wasn't it? It was right. I believe, right it, was, I believe it was before, was it not? Okay. So the AD that that gave him the job, I guess, is the AD there now. No, the AD there now did not hire him. So I, okay. I think he, well, that's what I was trying to get to. But I think it was an interim guy. Is that right? I believe so. And Whatever. so, of course, uh, you can't blame if Cohen. You know, he made the best decision for his future, but the timing of it. I mean. There's nothing you could say that Zach had an even playing field. And so I do kind of have mixed feelings about it. On, you know, on the other hand, I don't think that he did all the right things, too, that he had control of. You got something else? What? I was going to say, I mean, it's – you look at what just happened to Arkansas, and, I mean, I've never been in a stadium like that where – 
the fans were booing so quickly into the game. Um, clearly, they're really, really frustrated with how things are going with Pittman. Now yeah. Pittman's a really well-liked guy, and so I know that might make it a little bit more difficult. And it was just a couple years ago they were in the top ten. Um, I guess just what do you make of the end of the season here for Arkansas and, uh, and I guess maybe if they have to make a decision or, or whether you think they should give them another year. Yeah, I hope to give them another year. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a funny business. You know, you can start to have a little bit of negative atmosphere and all of a sudden it, it creeps into your recruiting classes and you can't ever recover. And the one thing I, I don't keep up recruiting real specifically, but I'll do pull up these national lists just to see whether the teams are ranked each year and they haven't been recruiting at a high level. Now I'm not going to say they were at any time in their history, but they've always, they used to always go down to Texas and get their best players. Then they got out of the Southwest conference and that became a problem. I mean, they had guys coming back over here in the Carolinas uh, that, that worked for Joe Kynes and some of them, and they'd get some pretty good players, but you, you can't, you can't play in the SEC unless you're recruiting in the top 20 in the nation. And and South Carolina does it every year. I think right now they've got a number 18 ranked class projected. Well, they're number 14 in the SEC, counting Texas and Oklahoma and Clemson, who they got to play every year. So, you know, it's two steps forward and one step back. But uh, I don't think they've recruited at a high level. Now, they had a quarterback, a potentially a really good player, but they, they couldn't help him very much. And all you had to do when you looked at the stats after a game, if you didn't see the game, you just looked to see what total yardage K.J. Jefferson had. And if he wasn't over 200 and up around 250 total yards, they probably didn't win the game. Uh, Travis, I think, has done a really solid job with their defense. You know, Travis was my GA there at Auburn. And uh, he, he left Central Florida and went out there and, I think he's done a very solid job with their defense, but boy, the other day, they they kind of just got dominated and by a very average offensive team. So it, it's they haven't really probably made the steps that they wanted him to make in order for him to secure his job. I think they make a mistake if they make a change. I think he's a good fit, and I think he's a guy. I think he's very capable. I think he's a guy to make the right changes and adjustments, and. You know, I don't know if he's lost the players or not. You don't hear anything like that coming out of there. But if that's why they performed the way they did last week, then you, you once you lose the players, you got to make a change. And I, I don't know anything about that. What, what do you make of this Auburn team after the start, after the way they looked at Cal, after the four straight losses? You know, you look at the schedule. You got New Mexico State, get you seven wins, upset Alabama playing a bowl game, you got a chance to win nine games and you end up with a pretty good season if that happens. I mean, it, like you said, when we started, I mean, this may be, you know, this is one of Hugh Freeze's best coaching jobs. Um, you know, if you get, even if you get to eight wins, um, that's been, a, I mean, considering where the program was and the mess that Harson left it in, um, that's pretty phenomenal. Right. And, but I have to say, I mean, he, he had to leave somebody there, but, at the same time, I think they, they got some critical players in the portal and did a good job recruiting on a short class. I mean, if they could pull off nine, I think it'd be unbelievably good. And, and I just, I was scratching notes about it earlier this morning. You got New Mexico State, 
Uh, they just need to be better when they get off the field against New Mexico State. They need to be a better football team than they were last Saturday, and they will accomplish what they need to. And then I, I, they match up good with Alabama. I don't have any clue they can beat them, but they match up pretty well with them on particular strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I, you know, I think it'd be a really good year. And and the other thing you mentioned, if you want to get the bowl, I would have to think it's going to be no problem, no negative clouds hanging over recruiting. Probably ought to be able to go in and, and select a few guys out of the portal that would be real specific needs. Uh, he's obviously got the guys believing in themselves now. I mean, they want some ball games early, even against some average teams, you know, just having a claw and scratch and uh, the win out of California, I think, you know, always jumps in my mind. They could have easily gotten beat out there on a long trip. And I think the game started extremely late and they, did, they couldn't score. And, you know, they won about a four-point game or something. But they have gotten better and better and better each week. And, and I think right now they're a dangerous football team, even for the likes of Alabama. So that that's a step they needed to take. And they're poised, I think, you know, to, to get it back on top where it was. And it's going to largely depend upon critical uh, choices out of the portal and having a great recruiting class so that they're playing with the same guys that they got to beat. How difficult is it as a coach? You know, we're, we're sitting here talking a lot about Alabama, but like you said, they do have a, a New Mexico State team on the schedule this Saturday. That's a pretty good group of five team. Look, you freeze probably not happy to see this team again. I mean, they beat him by 35 last year while he was focused on probably focused on the Auburn job. So that focus, obviously it, it may have had an effect on them last year at Liberty. How, how difficult is it as a coach to say, Hey guys, we know the iron bowl is here next weekend. We know it's going to be a great environment. We know that's going to be the game you guys are looking forward to. Does it just kind of depend on the personality of the team and how much do you sort of lean on your player leadership for that? That that's hugely important. I mean, you can bet the coaches are focused and focused and focused. I mean, when you're 45 years old or in that neighborhood, you got enough sense to get yourself prepared every day and have a good practice prep and go out on the field and demand them to do it right, do it with effort, get focused, et cetera. But at some point in time, the 20-year-old has got to lock in. And they may be sitting around in the locker room before they go out there talking about Alabama. It's human nature. But they've got to be focused in meetings and on the field and, and make sure they're ready to play. And that's all they got to do. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be two or three touchdowns better than New Mexico State, even if New Mexico State plays their best game, if Auburn plays well. Uh, so that's what we've got to do. And you, and you do, you brought the main point. You've got to have players who are mature enough to get that done. If it's, all of it's got to come from the coaching staff, you're in trouble. We can wrap up after this. I know we're, we're running a little bit long, but I, I'd like to get your thoughts before we go on um, Billy Napier at Florida. I mean, they're recruiting well, um, but they could also end up, you know, five and seven. And then yesterday I got two different calls, and you would probably know more about this than I would, but um, Dabo's name keeps surfacing at um, Texas A&M. I'm not, I'm not sure I believe it, but um, what are your thoughts on those two things? Well, the first thing, I'm, I'm – very biased on both of them. So I'm probably not a good person to ask, but uh, yeah, I, I actually coached against Billy when he was quarterback at firm. And that was my first year as head coach at the Citadel. And I knew a little bit about him even before, but he was same as a player. He's real 
he's a tough kid. He's a quarterback, obviously, but he was a tough kid, focused. I mean, you couldn't rattle him. And uh, we actually played pretty well, and they still beat us 20 points. But ever since he's been in coaching, you know, I've recruited against him and played a coach against him when he was at Clemson. But he's got a great track record. He's been there with Coach uh, Saban. And, you know, I think the recruiting class is one indicator that Furman needs, I mean, excuse me, Florida needs to look at before they get trigger happy. And then, because that's that's the way you're going to turn it around. You're not going to turn it around with the way you speak to the booster club or the media. It's going to be players. you got to get great players. They tamper with that recruiting class just to get a coach out of there, and they're going to end up being in the ditch again another year or two. The one thing I am surprised about is how inconsistent they are. One one week you look at them, they look like a decent uh, top 25 team. And then the next week, they don't look like they practiced. And I can't put my finger on that because that is not – that's a reflection of some other coaches I know that play, you know, score 51 game and then turn the ball over six times the next game. I mean, we all know some of those guys. Yeah. And that's not the way he approaches the game. He didn't play it that way. He didn't, he didn't coach it that way. And I, I I can't explain it. I don't know whether they're missing some key personnel on on some positions, but and then one game it'll be offensive performance, and the next game it might be the defensive performance. So I'm puzzled by it, but I I definitely think they'd make a mistake if they make a change in the head coach right now. Uh, the other thing about Dabo, I you know I'm pretty close to him. I have a son that's on walk on up there right now. There's about half the staff either played for us at Alabama or worked for us at Mississippi State. <clears throat> Almost like brothers or cousins or even sons. But I I don't think he has any inkling of wanting to coach anywhere else in college. Now, I may be wrong. And something could be going on, you know, internally that none of us are even aware of. But I'm not aware of it, and I don't think it's going on. Uh, you know, they, they're getting a little negativity out in the airwaves this year because they're playing terrible. They led the nation in fumbles until two weeks ago. So there's no no point in pointing the finger at anybody else. They're their own worst enemy. They should be undefeated right now. They, they should have beaten every team they've lost to, and they've, turned, they've gotten beat, beat themselves with turnovers. And they know it. So it's just a disappointing season, but they still got a heck of a football team on, on their depth chart. And – I don't know why he would leave. And I, I certainly, you know, Texas, like I said, Texas A&M can come up with a lot of money. And Clemson's won three national championships since Texas A&M has. So I don't, I don't know that it makes him any better. He may have an inkling of wanting to try pro football before he quits coaching. I, I didn't, I would never have known that. But if he doesn't do that, I just don't see him going to another college. Well, it's just been great. Appreciate you being with us again this week. Yep. Enjoy it, guys. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.